Thank you, guys. Well, I had a ball in the first service. I got fired up, and uh, I'm looking forward to preaching to you this morning. We are in the series, Behold and Honor, my sermon title today. You're back for the second service. Of course. You enjoyed the first one? Of course. How good was it? It was phenomenal. Wasn't it? Look, I can say it's phenomenal because I didn't come up with it. God came up with it. It's his stuff. Just preaching his word. And uh, so it gets better even the second time around. Yeah, praise God. So the message today is called Behold and Honor Yourself. I've been preaching Behold and Honor. The message today, hi, how are you? What's your name? That sounds like an Italian name. We might be Paisans. <laughs> Have you been here before? My first time. What an honor for me to meet you. Nice to meet you. God bless you. You love Jesus? That's what makes you so gorgeous. You're gorgeous anyway, but there you go. God bless you. Can I give you a hug? Good. Awesome. Amen. Yeah, give her a warm welcome. Why not? Hey. It gets more crazy. <laughs> Behold and honor yourself. The series has been, can I say, you're very brave sitting on the end. Right. You know that. <laughs> the series has been Behold and Honor. And in this series, I have taught that the word behold actually means to decipher, to decode, to understand, to look beyond the surface and dig deeper. When I started this series, it was about behold. When you look at people, go past the crazy. Go past, when you look at me, it's layers thick, okay? Go past the brokenness, go past the crazy, go past the hurt, and decipher, decode, understand that every one of us is like the rest of us. And the only reason why we have hot buttons and we jerk and we jitter and we bite and we snap is because there are broken areas inside of us. Yes. If you're really bold, turn to somebody and say, he's talking about you. <laughs> now quickly say to them, but he's also talking about me. Because most of us are like the rest of us. And so I taught that, you know, if we're going to live a God kind of life, we have to, in relationship, when somebody's spinning out and we're all spinning out, we have to behold, we have to decipher people, we have to understand. They are not the sum total of the crazy they're acting right now. That is the result of wounds and scars that demons have put into their lives. And the principle of God is that God beholds us. He looks past our brokenness and he gives honor. The next word is honor. And we found that in the New Testament, the word honor in the Greek means to assign honor, to assign value. You see, in the kingdom of God, honor is assigned before honor is earned. In the world, we give honor where honor is due. Pay up. You got to earn it. 
Show me you got the goods and I will give you honor. But in the kingdom of God, God gives honor long before we ever earned it. I'll give you a quick example. In the Old Testament, there's a story of a guy named Caleb. And uh, <clears throat> Caleb was part of the Hebrew people. They still weren't really organized as a nation. Uh, they had come into the promised land. And the Amalekites, the Hebrews, started to backslide, get cold on God. And they started to neglect their relationship. And when you do that, you open doors for the demonic to start roosting in your nest. And so the Amicalites would come in, and at harvest time, they would take the firstborn lambs, the firstborn cattle. They'd take the first of the crops of the wheat. They, the Bible says they were like swarms of lo locusts, and there were just thousands of them. And so here's Gideon hiding in a wine press, trying to beat some of the heads of wheat so that he could get enough grains of wheat to go to the house and say, here, mama, uh, can you make some bread or some food for today? Uh, and, and, and God shows up, and God says, Gideon, you incredible, awesome specimen of God. God gives honor long before we ever earn it. That's the style, that's the principle of the kingdom of God. God will give honor before we earn it. You see, it's a little bit like this. God has taken a seed, and inside of every seed of every plant, God puts the DNA of what that seed and that plant is supposed to look like. And when it goes into the ground, you don't think much of it. If I were to take a mango seed, everybody here love mangoes? I love mangoes. Even though when you get close to the seed, that fibrous stuff gets stuck in your teeth. But I love it when the juice is all over my face and it's so sweet. Yeah, it's sticky, but it is good to the belly. But how many times do we look at that seed and say, this seed is another mango tree. And inside this seed is all the stuff to make another tree that will probably produce another thousand seeds. And each one of those thousand seeds has another tree. When you're biting around a mango seed, think of it this way. You're chewing around a, a forest of mango trees. But we don't think of it like that. We don't see the value or the potential that's in that seed. And God designed by natural law, we put a seed in the ground and he created the sun and then that seed is born again. It dies and it's born again and it grows up towards the sun that God created. That's the same principle God uses with honor. He puts honor on us before we've earned it. And as the glory of God, honor brings glory. And as the glory of God shines above us and God keeps calling us by an honor and he assigns an honor we haven't earned, we start growing into the glory of what God has called us to be. Powerful stuff, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, behold and honor yourself. Decipher yourself. Decode. Understand yourself. Look beyond the surface of your brokenness or your 
poor decisions from yesterday. Dig deeper and decode who you are in Jesus and start assigning value to yourself. Honor is assigned before it is earned. Now, today and next week, I am going to reveal to you uh, two powerful principles that will help you to behold yourself the way God beholds you and to release the honor, the value that God has put inside of you. Uh, I was finishing off my sermon this morning. It was about 20 to 9 and so much revelation was coming, I realized there's no way I could preach both principles in time. And so I had to turn today's message into two messages. That's how the whole concept of series started. I'm an Italian preacher. I start preaching one sermon, and it's so long. I said, oh, well, I'll preach half of it next week. And when I get to that half next week, I've got even more, and then I've got even more the following week, and voila, the concept of series. <laughs> it's just a nice way of saying a long-winded preacher. Today and next week, I'll teach you how to behold and honor yourself by revealing two powerful principles. I will only talk about one today, so are you ready? We're going to start with principle number one. Are you ready? Okay, this stuff will revolutionize your life, but you have to promise me, stay with me. I'm going to start by saying some very simplistic things, but they will have a powerful ending. Okay, here we go. Principle number one. By the way, a principle is a divine law of God that cannot change. God's principles cannot change. They will always be true. They will always work. And so I love preaching principles because they are principles that you could put into operation in any situation and you will see the things of God start working out in your life. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 to 12. I'm going to take this slow. It says, and God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their kind. So you plant the mango seed, you're not going to get cherries. You plant an apricot seed, you're not going to get apples. Why? Because God decreed destiny in the seed. There is a design in the seed and there is a destiny in the seed. And therefore God says every plant, every tree will reproduce after its kind. Because I wrote in that seed the destiny and the plan that I have for that specific kind. And so... Grapevines will always produce grapevines. You won't get a watermelon off of a grapevine. And you're not going to get a, a lemon out of an apple tree because God made a principle. I am designing seed to carry destiny of what that thing is meant to be. Are you with me? The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. 
Genesis chapter 1, verse 21. So God created the great creatures of the sea and everything living with which the waters teem and that moves about in it according to their kind. You see, when God created the humpback whale, he put in its seed the destiny of what that thing is meant to be. And he put all the DNA that will reflect the glory of God's imagination when he thought about making a humpback whale. A humpback whale will not give birth to a white shark. Just like a little guppy. How many of you have ever had little guppies? I didn't say puppies. Guppies. Tiny little. Thank God, because of this principle, little guppies don't give birth to humpback whales. Now that would be a stretch. God has this divine law working that each will produce after its own kind. And so shrimp give birth after their kind. They produce shrimp. This is one of the reasons why evolution is an absolute fallacy. Because of the divine principles of God, it is a divine order. It is a destiny. It is a part of a designed plan that each seed produces after its own kind. Did you know that evolution fails on the first test of science? Did you know that? Let me explain. The very beginning of science acknowledges a scientific principle which is actually a spiritual principle. Yet there is the law of thermodynamics. When you look at the law of thermodynamics and entropy, what science has realized is that in the world that we live in, every living thing is energy. And if you take whatever that thing is, a plant, a tree, an animal, a human being, that energy left to itself without outside intervention will go from a higher state to a lower state. It will degress. It will degenerate. It will die. That law of entropy, it's a scientific law. And they say that the world is governed by this law. It's interesting when Jesus, when God said to Adam and Eve, if you eat of this fruit, you will die. From the moment Adam and Eve ate from that tree, the universal law of the universe went from the law of eternal life to the law of death. And so everything started to die. Every plant will die. Every tree will die. Every animal will die. Every human being will die. In fact, the Bible teaches, Paul says, that every human being born into this fallen world has a, an invisible law written through their nature, and it's called the law of sin and death. You will sin and you will die. Because of sin, you will die. You will sin and you will die. Everything is de. de Decating, everything is eroding, everything is breaking down. It starts at a higher order and everything breaks down. That is a scientific law that describes the order of this world or even this universe. Even the plants, uh, even the planets are wearing out. 
Now stop. Watch this. In Revelations, I think it's chapter 19, the end of chapter 19, God says, and the last enemy that God will deal with is called death. Last enemy. Paul actually says this too, but John is getting this vision, revelation, and he says the last enemy to be dealt with is death, and God will pick up death and throw it into the lake of fire. Next chapter, and then there was a new heavens and a new earth. God creates a new heaven and a new earth, and immediately in chapter 20 it says, and there will be a new order of things. You see, in God's worlds, there is no death. Nothing decays. You see, in the kingdom of God, the things of God go from glory to greater glory. In the kingdom of darkness, anything under the fingerprint of demonic influence goes from a state of higher being to lower and lower and lower. And so evolution as a theory totally contradicts this scientific premise. Not only have scientists recognized it and name it and teach it, but it is a spiritual principle. It started in the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden. But evolution is the theory that you can start from a lower order and ascend to a greater order. That is a demonic fallacy and a lie. God has designed each seed to reproduce after its kind. They do not evolve into better and greater species. The law of sin and death is a demonic law and it rules this earth. Jesus said the God of this present world is Lucifer. But that's going to change, folks. The gospel of the kingdom of God is that God started his kingdom on earth, and God is going to finish with his kingdom on earth. Somebody give me an amen. Absolutely. If you haven't learned it yet, God has the final say. All right. So we see here God takes trees and plants, and each one reproduces according to the destiny God gave it. Every seed has DNA information, and it can only reproduce after its kind. We go on and we see the, the creatures of the sea. And uh, he also says in verse 21, And every winged bird according to its kind. How many of you have ever seen those beautiful, gorgeous, amazing macaw parrots draped in bluish teal feathers and yellow underpinning and uh, just absolutely stunning to look at and watching them fly. And then you have the red version of the macaw parrot. Well, guess what? A red-breasted macaw will never give birth, will never give birth to a little parakeet that you'll keep in a cage. Why? Because God gave each thing a destiny. And in the law of God, it will keep reproducing according to its destiny. Everything will reproduce after its kind. Now, everything I'm saying might be interesting and might sound very irrelevant. Stay with me. I'm going to bring this to a greater conclusion. How many of you have enough confidence that Pastor Rob will take you somewhere? 
Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Verse 24, it says, And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kind. This is a divine principle. God has set a law in motion, and a horse can only reproduce a horse. A horse will never give birth to a cow. And an elephant will never give birth to a rhinoceros. It doesn't matter what we try to do. The destiny is in the seed. The design is in the seed. And the seed is ordained by God to reproduce after its kind. Okay, stay with me. Let the land produce living creatures according to their kind. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. Then verse 26. Now God said, let us make mankind in our image and likeness. He didn't say, let us make mankind in our kind. You see, we're going to do a Hebrew word study here for a moment. So we're going to zoom into the Hebrew dictionary. And we're going to look at the word image. And the word image in the Hebrew is teslem. And it means to be a shade of the original. In other words, a shadow. Uh, to be a phantom. To be figuratively a representative figure. God said, I'm going to make trees and they will reproduce after their kind. I will make birds, they will reproduce after their kind. I will make elephants, they will reproduce after their kind. I will make crocodiles, they will reproduce after our kind. But we're going to make man in our image, in our teslem. They will be a shadow of who we are. They will be a phantom. They will not be God, but they will be representing figures of who we are here on earth. The word uh, likeness comes from the Hebrew word demuth. And it literally means likeness or similitude. So in other words, uh, what God is saying is God didn't make us after his kind. He said, let's make man in a shadow or a phantom of us in our likeness and similitude. They will be similar to us, but they will not be us. There's a shift. When Adam and Eve reproduce... They've been made in the similitude of God, but now they, as the original human being, they will reproduce after their kind. Stay with me. When Adam and Eve reproduce, they will reproduce after their kind. So Satan's watching all of this. He just fell from glory. We don't know exactly how long before this. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be above God. And God said, no. It's not what I destined you for. The created thing can never be the creator. Hello? And he wanted to exalt himself above God. When God made man, he said, you're not God. We will make you Crowned with our glory and honor, you will be a phantom of us. You will be a representation of us, but you're not 
God. I will make you a creature that is crowned with all of our glory and all of our goodness, and we will put all of our honor on you, and the earth will be filled with representations, phantoms, shadows of God. So Satan's watching this, and he said, we don't want the world to be filled up with representative figures who are phantoms in the similitude of God. So let's devise a way to make Adam fall from the image of God so that, so that in their fallen state, they will reproduce after their fallen kind. God intended that man created in his image would populate the earth. He actually said, fill the earth. I want the earth to be filled with phantoms of who we are. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. He said, I want the earth to be filled with God-like representation. And so the demonic world is watching this and they say, uh-uh, one Adam is enough trouble. If we let Adam and Eve copulate, they're going to reproduce after their kind and their firstborn son will be created in the image of God reflecting the similitude. He will be another phantom and another representation of God. And the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And so demons got together with Satan. They got into a huddle and they were trembling. They said, could you imagine? No, far be it. God forbid. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> God forbid that the earth be filled with representations of God. And so they came to the conclusion, if we could make Adam fall from his created status, if we could corrupt his image of God, we will corrupt the image of who he is. And if we can make him fall, then as a fallen being in a fallen state, he will reproduce after his kind. And instead of the earth being filled with representations of God, they will be filled with representation of broken, fallen, lower status human beings. How many of you are starting to see the picture here? Are you seeing the picture? Absolutely. The Bible tells us Jesus came as the last Adam. The first Adam fell. He was created in the image of God. He was crowned with glory and honor. But the moment he sinned, the Bible says they saw they were naked. The first thing that left them naked was that the glory and the honor of God that had crowned them had been taken away. They were no longer crowned with this majesty of God's character and personality, and mankind became way less than what they were created to be. Jesus Christ came as the last Adam. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. It is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. Stay with me. The first Adam in his fallen state reproduced after his kind. 
And so the earth is filled with broken people. And no matter how hard we try, who has this inferiority, who has this rejection, who has this fear, who's bound by lust, who's bound by envy and unforgiveness, and every one of us are fallen, broken representations of what we were supposed to be. We're not even a fraction of the glory that God had created us to be. The first Adam populated the earth after his fallen kind. So God sends Jesus Christ and calls him the last Adam. How many of you are starting to get a hint of where I'm going? Okay, let me start from the beginning. I said, how many of you are starting to get a hint of where I'm going? You could shorten my message by staying with me. The more you agree the more I'll just keep going. The first Adam, in his fallen state, reproduced after his kind. But when we are born again into the last Adam, Jesus Christ, he reproduces after his kind. Ooh. This is starting to get juicy. This is starting to get interesting. Yeah. In the Gospels, there are two different titles that Jesus carries that refer to his origins. In the Gospels, you will read, he is called the Son of Man. But you will also read in the Gospels, he is called the Son of God. So Jesus' title is Son of Man, Son of God. Every one of us that are born into this world were born after the first Adam, and every one of us are son of man. And we are born after his likeness. We're all broken. We're all hurt. We're all crumpled up. We're not a fraction of what we're meant to be. But when we ask Jesus Christ to come into our heart, the reason why Jesus said you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again is because we're born after the likeness of the first Adam and we stink. We're broken. If we go to heaven like that, we're going to mess it up. He said, but if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born a second time. You must be born of the last Adam because I have a divine principle that everything will reproduce after its kind. And so the same way a fallen Adam reproduced after his fallen kind, the last Adam, Jesus Christ, will reproduce a generation of people after his is kind. See, the gospel of salvation is what we preach in the church, and the gospel of salvation basically says we are sinners, but thank God we're saved by grace. Now, we were sinners, and we are saved by grace, but the gospel of salvation is a fraction of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And so the gospel of salvation ends there. You're a sinner, you're saved by grace, you're going to get a ticket, and one day you go to heaven. The gospel of the kingdom of God is this. God started his kingdom on earth, man failed, God's going to fix it, and he's bringing his kingdom back to earth. 
And the same way he intended the earth to be filled with phantoms and representations and shadows of who he is through Jesus Christ, the last Adam, we're not just forgiven of sin, we are born again of a nature that is created to be in the image of God. Somebody say, yeah, baby. That's what I want. That's what I need. That's what I'm going to believe in. You see, the church has preached a diminutive gospel, and it, Paul says himself that in the church there are doctrines of demons. And so demons get into the mind, the analytical mind of religious people who don't have a spiritual connection with God, and they start to reason from a human perspective. And so... We have reduced the gospel that Jesus came to preach down to a gospel that says, this is how demons reason. If I can't keep you out of heaven, I don't want you to act like a son of God on earth. See, he's the God of this planet. Does he want this earth filled with representations of God? One atom was enough trouble. So he broke the image of the first Adam so that Adam kept reproducing after a broken kind. But God says, I'm one up you, buddy. I'm going to take on flesh, and I will make a flesh man who is a representation of me. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Now stay with me. Stay with me. But according to God's divine laws and principles, every seed reproduces after its own kind. What am I saying? The gospel of salvation tells us where sin is saved by grace. And I'll be the first one to tell you, if that's all we got, if for the rest of my life I'm a sinner and I'm saved by grace, it's more than I deserve. But God tells us to go the extra mile. How many of you have ever read in the Bible where God says, go the extra mile? Somebody wants your shirt, give them your jacket. They want you to go with them for a mile, go with them for two miles. Do you think God tells us to do stuff that he's not willing to do? You see, God goes extra, extra, extra. And so the gospel of salvation creates in the church a mindset. You, we are broken, decrepit, fallen beings, but thank God, God is so full of love. He's so merciful. He puts up with us. He forgives us. And he's actually willing to have us in his kingdom. Where the gospel of the kingdom of God says, Hey, listen. You fell from my original plan and my destiny, but I'm not going to be outdone. I'm sending another Adam, and he's going to be the last Adam because there will never be need for another Adam. And anyone who is born again into the last Adam, the same way they bore the likeness of the first Adam, they will bear the likeness of the last Adam because every seed must reproduce after its kind. Whoa! 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 I'm not just forgiven. I've been transformed. You see, when you look at that mango seed, you don't see a tree. You don't see a hundred mango trees. You don't see a thousand mangoes per tree. A 
And you don't always see the seed and the potential that is inside you. But when you got born again, you had to bear the image of the last Adam or that in itself was a breakdown of God's divine order and God's principles. As a Christian, I don't see myself as a wreck. I don't see myself as a broken being. I don't see myself as a failure. I see myself as someone who was born into a world of mess and bore the likeness of the first Adam. But when I got born again, when I got saved, when Jesus came inside of my heart, he didn't just wash me. He didn't just clean me up. It's all right, I'm fine. He didn't just clean me up. He said, I am putting my fingerprints all over you. I am making you in my Teslim. I am making you in my Demuth. You are gonna be a shadow of me. You're gonna be a phantom of me. You are gonna be my presence on the earth because I am building my kingdom and my kingdom will be filled with sons of God. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a shout. I'm going to stop here. You're not that heavy. We've got to get past the concept of being sinners saved by grace. I was a sinner. I am saved by grace. But God's plan went far beyond the gospel of forgiveness. God's Gospel is the gospel of the kingdom, and it's the restoration of all things back to God's original destiny. Hallelujah. So, irrespective of how I choose to act, it doesn't change the fact that the seed that's in here is the same image of who Jesus Christ is. Now, the problem is we never reach that potential or often don't reach that potential because we are so filled here with religious knowledge that is diminutive. It is less than the glory that God designed for each and every one of us. Could you imagine what America would look like if every born-again Christian in churches all over America understood, I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner, but there's something bigger in me. There's something better in me. Inside of me is all the fullness and the potential of who God is and who Jesus Christ is. Come on, let me, let me prove this to you from Scripture some more so you don't think I'm running away with a heresy. I said, Satan saw this and he said, we don't want the world filled up with representative figures who are phantoms in the similitude of God. Let's find a way to make Adam fall from the image of God so that in their fallen state, they reproduce after their fallen kind. But Jesus comes. He's the last Adam. 
The first Adam in his fallen state reproduced after his kind. When we're born again into the last Adam, he reproduces us after his kind. If that weren't so, Jesus Christ himself would be breaking the divine principle of God. Can't happen. When you ask Jesus in your heart, your title change, changes. You go from being son of man, how many of you are a child of God? You are, you have two titles that denote your origin. You are son of man and you are son of God. And guess what? Up until the first person got born again, humanity was only ever the son of man. Jesus was the first of a new kind, the son of man and the son of God. And everyone who gets born again graduates from being a son of man to being son of man, son of God. Whoa, I love it, I love it, I love it. What am I saying? Before you were born again, you were filled with all the broken stuff the first Adam was filled with. After you get born again, you are, the, sorry, before you were born again, you were filled with all the broken stuff the first Adam was filled with. Now that you're born again, you're filled with all the God stuff that the last Adam is filled with. Come with me. I'm going to unveil something that is hardly ever preached. I will guarantee that most of you have never heard these scriptures, let alone had these scriptures broken down the way I'm going to break them down for you. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. He says there's a message... I can't just give it to baby Christians. This is heavy stuff. It's deep. Everybody say, we're going to go deep. We're going to go deep. And Paul says there is a wisdom, a message that we speak among the mature. It is not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age. That's the demonic entities who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom. It is a mystery. Everybody say mystery. Now, the mysteries of God are not things that cannot be understood. They are things that can only be understood when the spirit of revelation opens it up. So God's ministry, mysteries are not meant to be confusing, but they are hidden from the world, and only the spirit of revelation can open it up, and then you see. And so Paul says... He says, uh, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden that God destined for our glory before time began. So number one, whatever this mystery is, it has to do with us. It says, God, uh, this is a mystery that has been hidden that God destined for our glory. This mystery has to do with you from before time began. Those of you that have been here for a while, you know that I often show and teach from Scripture that when the Bible talks about glory, it is talking about the character of God. Okay, God crowned the first Adam with glory and honor. Honor always speaks of position, power, and authority. 
God gave man his likeness. He crowned him with his glory, with his, his attributes. And then he put honor on man. He gave him a position. He gave him power and authority. That's why when Jesus Christ came preaching the gospels, what did he do? He released the power of God into his disciples and he gave them authority. That's the honor that the first man had. If you read Psalm 8, when David first quotes this, he says, what is man that you crowned him with glory and honor, that you put everything that your hands created under his feet? Isn't it amazing? The last Adam comes back, and when we're born again into the last Adam, we are not just forgiven. We are raised up into heavenly places, and we are seated with Jesus Christ. He's the head. We're the body, and he says that all things are under his feet. And if we're the body, we're the feet. The kingdom of darkness is under our feet. David says, what is man? This was your original intention. And Jesus comes as the last Adam because the gospel of the kingdom of God is that God is restoring his kingdom back on earth and making it everything it was always meant to be. Somebody give the Lord a hand. Lacey, where, which seat is your head sitting in? Okay. Which seat is your body sitting in? Have you ever sat in a seat and your head was on the seat next to you and your body in the opposite seat? Paul, where is your head sitting right now? Where's your body sitting? Is that always the case? Wherever you go, you never take your head off and put it in a different seat. My point is, God didn't just forgive you. He is so benevolent. We are broken wretches. We are failures. But God keeps loving us and forgiving us. No, God has transformed us. We are born of different stuff. And we sit in the same seat that Jesus is sitting in at the right hand of the Father. It says here, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden, that God destined for our glory. Glory is always the character of God. We were meant to have the character of God from before time began. Now watch this, next verse. This is super cool. I love this verse. This verse really, it just jacks me up and gets me excited. Verse 8, none of the rulers of this age, none of the demons, none of the principalities, not even Satan himself understood it because if they had understood this hidden mystery, they never would have crucified Jesus Christ. What is this mystery? If demons had understood it, they would not have crucified Jesus Christ. What are you talking about, God? It's a mystery. Unfortunately, God meant for it to be a mystery to the kingdom of darkness. When the kingdom of darkness found out what this mystery was, they've been working ever since to keep it a mystery in the church. And that's why Paul says, I was called to reveal this mystery. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 
Paul says God's intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. What Paul is saying is God's intention is that through the church, not the wall, not the bricks, you. You, Miriam, you. Stand up, Miriam. Christina, stand up. God's intention was that all the hordes of demons and all the principalities that govern nations were meant to see God's manifold wisdom through you and through you and through you and through you and through you. So what is this mystery that's been hidden? I know it's got to do with me. It's got to do with you. God is using us to show demons and to poke it in their face. It's got something to do with the glory of God. And it's got something to do with God's plan from the beginning. Hint, hint, in the beginning, God created man in his image. Hint, hint. Let's keep going. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ is in you the hope of glory. The hope of us being reinstated to the glory, the character, the image, the fullness of God. The hope of that is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is in you. The same way you hold a mango seed in your hand and in that seed is the DNA of a hundred trees. And in that DNA is the DNA of a thousand mangoes per tree. Now, you were reproduced after the kind of the last Adam. Look somebody in the face and say, you ain't looking at a mess. Now say this, you ain't looking at a screw-up. Find someone else and say, you ain't looking at a failure. I was a failure. I was a screw-up. I was a mess. I'm not just forgiven. My DNA has been ratified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Whoa! Come on, church! Come on! I am not who the devil says I am. I am who God says I am. Yes, 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 yes. Get it. Listen, hang on. Watch me. Stay with me for another minute. If the rulers of darkness had understood this, they never would have pounded the nails in the hands of Jesus. They never would have put a spear in his side. They never would have crucified him because in crucifying him, they released the vehicle that will cause that seed to fall to the ground and reproduce after its kind.
Unless the seed falls and dies, it cannot reproduce. Jesus had to die as the last Adam so that everything that is in him would be reproduced in you. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. Now, he says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 to 27. Am I preaching blasphemy? Am I preaching a heresy? In verse 15 of the same chapter of the same book, he starts and really he sets the dialogue by saying the Son, capital S, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God. And we found that in the Greek, the word image is icon, a mirror-like representation exactly reflecting its source. So here's Jesus, uh, the image, the icon, the mirror reflection. When you look in the mirror, you say, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And the mirror says, Christina. You can agree. Don't, don't let your insecurities speak to you. When you look in the mirror and you see that image, are you seeing the real you or a mirror-like representation of you? What are you seeing? Representation of you. Jesus, in a human body, comes the way the first Adam was first built. A mirror representation of God. He comes as the last Adam because the first Adam was meant to reproduce after his kind, but his kind fell and he became a different kind. He became a fallen creature and he reproduced fallen creatures. Jesus comes as the last Adam to do what the first Adam failed at. You notice Lucifer made sure he got to Adam and Eve before they had their first child. You must be born again because you must be born of the seed of Jesus Christ because God intends for his kingdom to be filled with mirror images of himself. So in Colossians 1.15, before he even gets to 26 and 27 and reveals the mystery that was hidden, the mystery is Christ is in you. He's in your DNA. He's in your spiritual being. Everything that is in him, you are born after his kind. Christ is in you. He was the hope of us being reunited with the glory of God's image. Come on, this is the restoration of the kingdom of God and God starts with a king, Jesus Christ, and then he starts with his sons, born into the king. Somebody say amen. amen. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Stop. When Paul wrote this, he didn't do chapter 1, chapter 2, next subject, chapter 3. We put chapters in years, hundreds of years later, so that we could find that verse we're looking for easier. So Paul was just writing, I'm, like me, I'm preaching, I'm going a mile a minute, right? Uh, yakety, yak, 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 and 
I could keep going for another hour. Well, Paul's writing. There's no pausing. There's no stopping. The Holy Ghost is on him. And so from chapter 1, where he says in verse 26, 27, the mystery that was hidden is Christ in you, the restoration of the glory of God back into human hearts. Then in chapter 2, but there's no chapters. Verse 9, he says, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives. Well, if all the fullness of God is in Jesus and every seed has to reproduce after its kind, look what verse 10 says, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. You see, God kept this hidden from the demonic world, otherwise they would not have crucified the Christ. He outsmarted them. He outwitted them. They never thought that God could love a, a hot mess so much that he would become the sacrificial lamb just so that he could make them back into his own image. You see, religious devils want you to believe that you're only a sinner and only ever will be a sinner and God is so good, he's so nice, he's going to keep forgiving you. But forget about achieving anything monumental on earth because you're broken, you're a mess, you're a failure, you're a sinner. But we'll put little band-aids of God's love on your face all over you. And it says, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. But you're still dysfunctional. The gospel of the kingdom of God says no. God's not going to lose his preordained destiny for humanity. <laughs> In the beginning, you were meant to look like God, smell like God, act like God, but not be God. And in Jesus Christ, there is everything inside of you that can look like God, act like God, and smell like God. I don't need to be God. You see, what was hidden from the kingdom of darkness, now the kingdom of darkness has hidden from the church. And most of us are just happy to be sinners saved by grace. And I'll say it again. If that's all this salvation was made up of, it's more than I deserve, Kajan. That God would have mercy on me. That God would have mercy on us and forgive us in our craziness and the stupid things we all have done. That he would forgive us is enough for me to spend the first 10,000 years when I step into heaven and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. By the way, did I say thank you, thank you, thank you? And again, let me say thank you, thank you, thank you. But that isn't all he did. He's recreating his kingdom. And Paul says, through the church, God is revealing his manifold witness, wisdom to the rulers of darkness. You see, when demons look at us, they see the seed that is in us. And they're blown away that God could so love the world that he would take a hot mess and love it and breathe into it 
and then put his glory on it. But they also see that seed and that image and they say, I see it, but I don't want you to see it. And I don't want you to see it. I don't want you to see it. Because if you see it, what the mind of man can conceive, it will achieve. If you can see your destiny, if you can see who you really are in Jesus Christ, you will start to act like who you really are. So if they can't keep you out of heaven, they will settle from keeping you from being the phantom and the representation of God on earth. And so a demon comes and sits on your shoulder and keeps reminding you of your past. And you need to remind him of his past and his future and tell him about your destiny in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody give it up to the Lord. Ephesians 4.24, my last scripture. Paul says, if, if I'm twisting scripture, watch this. Ephesians 4, 24. Now put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Sweetheart, I'm telling you, there's so much more inside of you than what the devil wants you to know. There's so much more inside of each and every one of us. Every aspect of the fullness of God was in Jesus Christ. And every aspect of the fullness of Jesus Christ is lying inside of you. And you know how? You know what God does? He wants you to behold. He wants you to look beyond, get past the surface, dig deeper, and behold yourself and see who you are in Jesus Christ. And then come into agreement with God and start assigning value to yourself because you are who God is says you are. Would you stand with me? I went a little bit longer. Ryan, was it worth it? I encourage you to listen to it again. You know why? I'm going to go home. I'm going to listen to it again. Because lots of times as I'm preaching, the Holy Ghost is saying stuff and my brain is going, whoa. I'm getting it on another level than when I first put it down on paper. And sometimes I say stuff that isn't written down. Wesley, you and I, we were born into this world with a sin nature. And it says you will sin, you will die, you will screw up, you will mess up. You'll make mistakes, and you'll be the subject of your broken DNA. But when we get born again, God doesn't say, I'm just going to forgive you, but I'm going to leave you the mess that you were. No, that was Satan's plan. Why would God honor Satan's plan and put Band-Aids on it? In the beginning, God's plan was that you would be a phantom and a representation to him. What would happen to the United States of America if every born-again Christian understood how much we've been saved from? 
We go on and on about who should be the president. We go on and on about this political party and that political party. I want to tell you, if we reached in, if we beheld ourselves and looked past the silly mistakes I made yesterday and looked at the seed, the mango seed, the Christ seed, and see that there are trees inside of that seed and there's fruit inside of all of those trees and that the fullness of God is in me. If you and I started to get this revelation, if the church of Jesus Christ got this revelation, it would no longer be a hidden mystery. It would be a revelation to the body of Jesus Christ. Heck, it wouldn't matter who was in the White House because the church of Jesus Christ is in the house. Don't let the devil start to play. Give her some volume. Don't let the devil, don't let the devil rob this revelation from you. He wants to take your destiny away. Repeat after me. I am not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner. I am saved by the grace of God. But today, I look like him. God's stuff is in me. The fullness of Jesus Christ is in here. And I'm going to get all that religious teaching out of my head so that what's in here can come out. Greater is the one who is in you than we've understood. You know, we immediately go to the next part. Greater is the one who's in me than the one that's in the world. But greater is the one who is in me. What does it mean he's in you? He's in that DNA. He's the fabric. He's the fiber. He's the design of what the first Adam was supposed to look like. And we've been recreated into that image. Oh, the devil wants to lie to you and keep you in inferiority. He wants to lie to you and keep you in a curse. He wants to lie to you and keep telling you you're nothing, you're no one, and you never will be. Jesus broke the curse. He became a curse to set us free from the curse. Hallelujah. He who knew no sin became sin so that Rob Scarallo can be the righteousness of God. Put your name in it. That's what our salvation is. You're looking at Mr. Incredible. God's plan of salvation isn't a fix-up. God's plan of salvation is a restoration to the original intent. Next week, I'm going to reveal principle number two. And principle number two will help you get principle number one out from in here into your day-to-day -day life. How many of you enjoyed principle number one? Every seed must reproduce after its kind. 
we are born again into the last Adam so that his kind is reproduced in us. Close your eyes. If you've struggled with despair, if you've, if you've struggled with a sense of ineptness or failure, if you feel like there's been a curse over your life that keeps holding you back, God gave me this word to set you free today. And right now, even where you are standing, the Spirit of the Lord in this revelation will set you free from the lies of the past to bring you into the destiny of your now. Religious devils will say, yeah, this will happen when we get to heaven. No, 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 no. This is who you are born again into right now. I want every one of you, let the Spirit of God set you free. Father, I pray for men and women in this house who's been bound by this and who's been oppressed by that other thing and who's been in oppression or depression or fear or rejection or inferiority come against the hordes of darkness. You're liars and you try to lie to the sons of God and you try to keep them in it to an image that they have been born out of. I speak to every demonic stronghold, every thought process, every religious thing that has been locked up in your mind and I come as the Son of God. I come in the name of Jesus Christ and I command right now, demons start to leave Demons start to exit. Fear, go. Rejection, go. Inferiority, go. In Jesus' name, religious mindsets be broken down and let revelation from the Spirit of God be released and built up. Holy Spirit, I thank you that with revelation comes impartation. And with impartation comes ownership. And with ownership comes growth into the thing that we are beholding. I thank you right now that there is transformative power in this place. And people are being set free in their minds, in their habits, in their lifestyle. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone look at me. Repeat after me. I'm more than all that. This is the gospel of the kingdom. God is restoring his original intention and his original plan. And you're part of his original intention. Christ in me, he is my hope of being reinstated to the glory and the image and the strengths that are in God. As you need to overcome, as you need to break through, remind yourself these things. Christ is in me. He doesn't live in me. He's not in a little locket. Not, you know, I, I remember when we were kids in Sunday school, they'd tell us, Jesus is in your heart. And so one of my cousins, Johnny, 
uh, he was watching a kid's program and they were going through the anatomy and they had this little plastic heart and they opened the heart up and they're starting to show you the valves inside the heart. And in his simplicity, he turned to mommy and he said, Mom, that heart doesn't have Jesus in it. Jesus isn't in you in that he is tucked away in some vacant area, some space. He is in you in that the same way the mango I eat today, it is part of the mango tree from 10 years ago and 100 years ago. Because the DNA by God's design is in the seed, and every seed produces after its kind. When the Bible says Christ in you, it means the fullness of God has come back into you through Jesus Christ. Wow. You must be born again. You have never been born again. If you don't know what that means, if you're not sure if you're born again, every eye closed, raise your hand and say, I want to be born again. Come on, every eye closed, raise your hand. Thank you, sir. I see that hand up the back. Thank you. You can put it down. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Two ladies. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Who else? Never prayed this prayer, or maybe you prayed it years ago and you walked away but you wanna come back. You want to come back to your destiny. Raise your hand, say I want Jesus. That's awesome, about four, maybe five people. Yep, I see your hand, that's incredible. Come on, give them a round of applause.